0: maybe You don't all feel this way, but there tends to just be this optimism, this hope that's found in people this time of year. That there's something about the, the turning of a calendar year where, where people feel empowered, they, they feel like they've been given permission to, to do differently this year, to, to be something different. And, and I wish that we had time to go around the room and just to kind of share because maybe you didn't all. Sh- set resolutions, but each of us, we come in here and we go, man, as this year changes, I hope that, that this is different about my life, or I hope that, that, that this is something I accomplish, that it's something I'm, I'm, I'm able to be a part of. And I wish that we all had time to go around and to hear all the things that God is stirring in our hearts. For this year, you know, Andrew and I were having lunch on Thursday and he was asking me, he's like, you know, do you have any resolutions or what, what, do, you, what do you want to do this year? And and I said, I think I, there are a lot of things I want to do. I said, but the thing that, that keeps coming up in my heart is that this year, I want to just be a, a really good husband. And I don't want to neglect being a father. I don't want to neglect all the other things. But, but there's something about that that God's just stirring in my heart that I want to be a good husband. This is, um, in May, will be 10 years for Courtney and I. And, and I go, there's something about, two people whistled, thank you for, for that. Uh, um, there's something about that that I go, man, I, I, I want to make sure that we are keeping the fire alive, right? Like, that This woman that I stood in front of almost 10 years ago and said, I, I'm gonna give my life to you. I'm gonna lay down my life for you. I'm gonna serve you. I wanna make sure that, that this year she doesn't get the back seat. I wanna make sure that, that I'm giving her. what I told her I would give her. As you think about your life, as you think about what you want this year, what is it that, that moves us to want more? Is it seeing what, what someone else has? Is it thinking back on, on what you once had, but, but you no longer do? What is it that, that the, the calendar turns? What is it in, the, in our lives that just make us want more? Why do you wanna run a marathon this year? Why do you wanna read more this year? Why do you wanna be healthier? What is it that is, is stirring in you, that's, that's it's calling you into those things? As a church family, here in a few weeks, um, we're going to have a kind of a, a concentrated time, a season where we're really going to go after the Lord's heart together, where we're going to intentionally and collectively just, just call on his name and say, God, we want to know you. We want to be your people. We want to follow you. We want to be in this thing. We want to be in this life for you and, in, and, and for your heart. And, and I've been asking, but, but what would motivate us to, to want to be those types of people? You know, the reality is that we all come into this place this morning. We're in way different places in our spiritual journey. That some of us come here this morning and we're stagnant. Some come in, we're apathetic. Some are scared. Some are hardened because of life. Some come in here this morning and you're weak. Some are tired. Some are stuck in sinful patterns. Some come in here and you're in a really good place with God. And you're going, I don't, uh, I want, why are you telling us that we're going to go more, for more of God? I, I have enough of God right now. I'm in a good place with God. Why are you telling us that we're going to push the pedal down? And the reality is that, that all of us come in this place and we're in different places. And what would motivate us to move from wherever we are to this place of wanting more of God? And what I've been asking is that, is that God would give us a fresh encounter, that he would give me a fresh encounter with his love, that he would give us a, a fresh encounter with his, his love that so often just going through the, the motions and, and, and coming here and, and being cold outside in life that we can just find ourselves being lulled to sleep. And I'm going, what is it that, that would motivate us to move from this place to wanting more of God? And I think it's a fresh encounter with God's love. And so we're gonna take the next few weeks and we're gonna prepare. I love the passage that we're gonna be in today and I hope that what it does is it starts to prime our heart to, to encounter the Lord's love for us in a fresh and a unique way. And so um, the, the, the thing that we're gonna see in today's text, and I love this, is Jesus says, if, if you want more of me, if you wanna move into this place where, 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 where you hunger for me and you thirst for me and you have for me, it's gonna cost you something. That you're going to have to part ways with some patterns. You're going to have to pick up some other patterns. That you're going to have to part ways with some patterns. You're going to have to pick up some patterns. And this is the way it goes in every aspect of life. Right? For those of you who are, 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 are training for a marathon or a half marathon, it's, it's not just enough for you to, 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 to stop doing some things. You're going to have to start doing other things, Right? for me and for my marriage, if I want to be a good husband this year, if I want our marriage to, to keep thriving and keep growing, I'm going to have to, 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 to part ways with some patterns. If you were to come into my home and at night, what you would notice is that there's just this grumpiness that just settles in in my heart. And I can be so rude and so mean and so inconsiderate. And the reality is that, is that in order for me to be a good husband, I'm going to have to part ways with some of those. But it's not just enough to to part ways to stop doing some things that in order for us to have a marriage that thrives, in order for me to be a good husband, I'm gonna have to pick up some new patterns, right? And press into some patterns, press into some habits. I'm gonna have to to really support her in, in parenting our kids. I'm gonna have to be more intentional about taking her on dates and getting her flowers and showing her how wonderful she is to me. And the thing that Jesus is gonna speak to us, I think in Matthew chapter six is if you want more, just like in every aspect of life, you're gonna have to, to put aside some things and pick up some others. So I wanna start with what it looks like for us to put down, in particular, just one pattern. There are a lot of things that we could talk about, but for some reason, Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter six. And so this is where we're gonna be, starting in verse 25. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What do you worry about? Let me ask it this way. What are you currently worrying about? Money? Some of our college students, you're worrying about what you're going to do. May rolls around. You graduate. Some of you are worried about having kids. Some of you are worried about getting sick or the people that you love around you getting sick. Some of you are worried about your work. Some of you are worried about pleasing people. Some of you are, are, are worried about all these things. What is it that we worry about? And why do we worry about these things? Is it because we are afraid? Afraid that we're gonna miss out on something? Afraid of what others will say? Afraid of what others will think? Afraid of the unknown? The question that I've been asking this week as I've been in this text is, is how did Jesus not worry? talking about having a lot of responsibility on your shoulders like our only ticket into salvation and heaven was riding on his shoulders i wonder if you ever felt that pressure knowing that all of heaven and all of earth was riding on his shoulders to be spotless to be perfect to be to be holy and i go how in the world did he live with that pressure how did he not worry something that distinguished Jesus from the teachers in his time is that Jesus' words, his teaching, it came with authority. And and I think part of what that means is that Jesus was actually living out the things that he was teaching. And I think this is profound because Jesus looks at us and he looked at the crowd that he first spoke this to 2000 years ago. And he says, I tell you, do not worry about your life. And he's telling us that and and, and he's not going over into a corner and worrying himself. No, he's speaking from a place of integrity, one who doesn't worry. And he says, if you wanna know what it looks like to, to live abundant life, you gotta lay aside worry. You gotta put it down. But how did he do it? And how does he expect us to do it? None of us are God, right? He had that going for him, we don't. How in the world did he do it? I think he gives us two beautiful pieces of insight in this passage, one in verse 27 and one in verse 32. This is what Jesus says in verse 27. He says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? You see, Jesus knew that worrying does absolutely nothing to affect an outcome. That worrying has no power to do anything other than to frustrate and to disturb the peace that God has given to us through Jesus. For those of us who believe in the same peace that he wants to give to those of you who don't yet believe in Jesus. And so think about what, what worry does to you. Think about what worry does to us. I wake up in the middle of the night, can't go back to sleep because I'm just worrying about my kids, I'm worrying about our church, I'm worrying about you. I miss out on being present in moments because I'm living in this alternate reality in my head that I've constructed, like going down all these different situations, creating all these constructs of worry and what would happen. A friend of mine once told me, he said, Brandon, we tend to worry about things and most of the things that we worry about, they never even happen. He said, and the things that do, the things that we do worry about and they do happen, you get through them. And I'm like, yes. We spend so much of our time being fearful of the unknown. And Jesus looks at us and he says, Do not worry. Do not worry. Worrying is not going to do anything but disrupt the peace that I've come to give to you. I love the second thing that the second insight that he gives to us. Verse 32. And I think this is powerful. Second part of verse 32, he says, for your heavenly father, he says, don't worry because your heavenly father, he knows what you need. He says, this is what you need to know about your father in heaven. He knows what's going on in your life. Think about one of those moments in, in your life where, where someone that you know um, got to meet someone that you love, but someone you didn't know? Someone that's famous or whatever, and, and, and they get back and, and, and you're talking to them. And the, and the question that always comes up when, when someone that you care about has spent time with someone that, that you don't know, that, but that you want to know, you go, man, what, what are they like? My dad's here this morning. My dad and I, when we were younger, um, went to this father-son basketball camp up in Kentucky, University of Kentucky, the greatest basketball school ever was. No question. Sorry, Joel. Uh, Indiana's number three or four, somewhere down there. But, um, but we would go to this father son camp, and it was so cool because you got to spend time with the players. And you know, as a middle schooler, it's like these guys were everything, right? And, and I would get back, and my friends would be like, hey, tell me about what they're like. And it was so fun just to, to sit and, and tell my friends what these people were like. And I love what Jesus is. In John chapter six, he says, no one has ever seen the father except me. And he looks at us and he says, I got something to tell you about what the heavenly father is like. He knows what you need, Catherine Claire, And Ben, he knows what's in your heart. He knows what you need. And Douglas, he's watching you. And Shay, he's got you. And Kelly, he, he knows what's going on in your life. He sees you, Rick. He sees everything that's going on in our lives. And he says, you might not believe me, but your heavenly father he knows exactly what you need. What I love about Jesus he says you gotta you, you gotta lay aside, you gotta put down this worry. But the thing about Jesus is, he says it's not just enough to, to quit worrying. He said, because there's gonna be this void in your thinking and in your heart because you spent so much of your time being preoccupied worrying about things. He says, and in order for that, for that space in your mind to not fill up with worry again, he said, I want you to fill up with something different. He says, I want you to put aside, to lay aside, to put to death worry, but I have something I want you to pick up. I have something I want to consume your thoughts and to consume your life and to consume your heart and to consume your mind. This is what he says in verse 33. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus doesn't overlook our our physical needs. He doesn't say seek first kingdom and his righteousness and all those things will go away. He says, no, he's gonna take care of all those things. He says, but I want you to get the best of your life Seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness. And, and I want us to, to really think about those few words in verse 33 for a minute. I was just like letting my heart just marinate and just soak. And I want us to do that together just for a minute. What, what Jesus is saying, because I don't know if you ever heard this verse before. This is your first time. Man, listen to these words. If you've heard these words many times and skip over them, have you really thought about the depths of what Jesus is saying here? And he says, Seek. Seek. And we go, how do we do that with God? God is invisible. We can't see him. We can't always feel him. How do we seek this God? We know how to seek in every other realm of life. We know how to seek out work. We know how to seek out relationships. We know how to seek out being healthier. And it's active. It's not passive. So you think about this, you're you're looking for a job and you're not just sitting at home doing nothing. You're polishing up your resume and you're making phone calls and you're online looking for for openings and you're dropping your suit off at the dry cleaners and you're you're rehearsing your speech to sell yourself. and, And it's active when you're seeking out a position. When you're seeking out a relationship, it's active. Guys, you're never gonna find a girl that's gonna fall in love with you if you never ask her out. Find what she likes and pursue her heart. I remember when when Court and I first started dating, I started to just find all the things that she loved. We were going on this road trip one time with some of our friends and I found out that she loved fruit tea from Bread and Company. And so I went to Bread and Company and I had this fruit tea waiting for her in my truck. Like we know how to seek things out. You know how to seek out being healthier, right? You know the the, the people to follow and the, the, the things that you don't need to eat and the things that you need to start doing. We seek out things and we know how to do this. One commentator says this seeking implies being absorbed in the search for. It's a persevering, it's a strenuous effort to obtain. Seek, look for God. Ask others where they're experiencing God, where they're seeing God. This is what it looks like to see God. Ask them, hey, what are you hearing from God right now? Where are you seeing? What passages of scripture are coming alive in your heart? Seek God, pray. Fast. Worship. Read the scripture, seek. Love that next word, he says, seek first. And I don't think he's talking necessarily about chronologically in our day. He's talking about the the importance, the value to us. Jesus looks at us and he says, seek first. It's like, what is the the priority? What is the passion? What is the thing that you live for first? That's a hard question to, to, to ask, isn't it? You know, God knows. Earlier this week, um, God was convicting me. You know, I came home from work on Wednesday and I'd been in this passage. i have been thinking about this passage and thinking about how I was going to teach it. And God just in a gentle way through his spirit was going, Brandon, that, that you can't fool me. You come home from work and, 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 and your passion and your commitment is not to me. You wanna get on Netflix? You wanna watch the show? You wanna do this thing? You wanna do that? And I was just so convicted to the core. I'm going, man, we, we can put on metaphorical makeup and hide from each other and we can pretend from each other, but there's no hiding from God. That he knows the, the, the first priority of our heart. He sees it. There's no fooling him. And he looks at us and he says, what is the driving force of your life? He said, seek First, his kingdom. What is his kingdom? What is it he's talking about? Have you ever thought about that? Seek first the kingdom? Seek first his kingdom. What's he talking about? How do we do that? I can't answer this in one sentence or in one sermon. I encourage you to go read the rest of Matthew, the, the, the next book, Mark and Luke, after it. Jesus spent so much of his, his earthly ministry and time talking about the bigness and the beauty of the kingdom, how it works and how it works in us. But for kind of the sake of our conversation today, just to give us a place to start from, maybe we can think about the kingdom like this, is the kingdom is what God has done, what God is doing and what God will do. What God has done, what God is doing and what God will do. And this is so beautiful because Jesus tells us, hey, Paloma, make it your life's goal. Make it your life's goal to see and to hear and to know God. The things that God has done in the past, the things that God is doing now, the things that God is is going to do, make it your life's passion. Have this curiosity, have this heart where you are seeking out to to really know the God of the heavens. You know, when we're living for his kingdom, we care most about his fame. We care most about him getting glory. We care most about his reputation. When we're seeking first his kingdom, our hearts and our eyes and our minds are going, man, I want the world around me to not know me but to know the God that I serve. Last week, one of my friends, he called me. We've been playing phone tag and he left a voicemail a couple weeks ago and he said, hey, I wanted just to call and to tell you about this awesome thing that God has, has done in my life. I just want to share it with you. And so we played phone tag for a while and finally connected on the phone and, 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 and we're talking and, and he didn't know this. And, and I'm telling you this because I want you just to see the, the wickedness of my heart. The whole time that he's talking, um, he, he's kind of building up to what he's going to tell me. And selfishly, I'm going, man, I hope he, he, he's, he's going to tell me, man, I was listening to this podcast of yours or, or I saw this and I just was so inspired. And I'm just telling you, there was something about this conversation where he was wanting to testify about God's glory and all I cared. about about. I was wanting glory for myself. Have you ever been there? Where you want to be known? Where you want the glory? Where, where, where you want people to think more of you than the God that you serve? And, and because I'd have been in this text, the Lord was convicting my heart and going, Brandon, that's not actually what you want. Like, you want me to be known. You want my fame to be renowned. You want people around you to know who I am for you are temporary, but I'm eternal. And you want your life to be about eternal things. It was amazing in the middle of this conversation, the Holy Spirit just kind of flipping my heart and I was going, yeah, you're right. And, and so he tells me this incredible news about what God has done. And I'm just sharing this joy, thinking about the goodness and the bigness of who God is. And, and I learned something from that conversation that, that what it means to live in his kingdom is to testify to what he's doing, to spread his kingdom by sharing, not just what he's done in the scriptures, but what he's done in your life. I wonder what will happen when when our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and our families, when we start to testify to the real things that God has done in our lives. I can't wait for my kids to grow up and, and to tell them some of the amazing ways that God has worked in my life. And I'm going, what is keeping me from sharing those things right now? You know, we had a healing service here a year and a half ago as a church family. And I've talked to several of you and and it's been amazing because you told me, hey, I came into that place skeptical. I came into this place that that day and and didn't believe. And I'm telling you, I had this this issue, this thing and God instantly healed me. I tell you, Brandon, and and people have shared this with me from our church family. And I'm going, we've got to testify, Testify to God's provision for you. Testify to the things that God is doing in your life. There's a world around you that does not believe in God that is dying to know, hey, is there a God that exists? And he is filling us. He's filling the arsenal with stories and with moments of his love and his goodness. And part of the way that we share and we spread the kingdom is just by testifying to what he is doing all around us. He says, seek first his kingdom. And I love, he says, and his righteousness. What does that mean? How do we seek first his righteousness? I think he's talking about two things here and I could be off. I think he's talking about right standing before God and right living before God. This idea of of righteousness as right standing before God, this idea that, that you and I can do nothing to save ourselves. No amount of obedience, no amount of good deeds, no amount of giving away money, no amount of serving, no amount of taking care of the poor, no amount of good things can save us. And we have to understand that while we can do nothing to save ourselves, he has done everything to save us. That he has forgiven us on the cross of all of our sins that he's wiped the slate clean, that, that he, he desires, he, he longs for us. Do you realize that if you're a Christian, he has seated you in heaven, that he has sought you out and he has saved you because he wants to spend eternity with you? And he wants you and he wants me and he delights in us. And part of us seeking his righteousness is understanding is contending for the fact that Christ has done everything in order for us to be saved. We have to keep reminding ourselves that, keep seeking that, keep telling ourselves, but it's not just about this idea that, that we are saved. It's not just about this idea of right standing with God. It's, he says, seek first his righteousness, this idea of, of, of right living before God. I think we seek his, his righteousness by pattering our lives after Jesus's. You ever read the Bible, the New Testament? You ever seen the way that that Jesus treated his opponents? You ever thought about the way that, that Jesus treated outcasts? The way that Jesus treated sinners? The way that Jesus treated his Father? And I believe what Jesus is saying is part of seeking his righteousness is us patterning our lives after Jesus. See, I believe that what Jesus is asking us is do you want more? Do you want God to be first? Do you want your life to look like Jesus's? Do you look at the, the life that you're living and you go, man, I'm, I'm constantly going back to wells that just keep me thirsty? And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. And we have to decide, do we want that? Do we actually want that? Do we actually want to give the best of our lives seeking God? Do we want the most important things to Jesus to be the most important things to us? Here in just a minute, we're going to take communion we do this every week. We take a piece of bread, we take a cup of juice because Jesus told us to do this. He says, when you're together, he says, do this to remember me. So we're gonna do this. And part of the reason we do this is to remember that, that Christ is alive, that he loves us, that he's coming back for us. And, and as we take communion, some of you come here this morning and, and, and you haven't been able to listen to a, a word that I've said, you haven't been able to sing a song because your heart is just breaking. You're, you're going through just some terrible sadness, just this tragedy in life. And, and I just wanna invite you to go, man, we're so glad that you're here. And sometimes what you need in those situations is just for some, some men and women who believe in Jesus just to gather around you and to pray for you. And so I'm gonna invite you, if you come here today and you're just in need of some prayer, or some encouragement, there are gonna be some men and women at the back that respond, banner and they'll have lanyards on. Would you let us pray for you? Will you let us pray with you? So during communion, as we, as we stand, I invite you to go to the back and just to, to receive prayer for some of you who come here this morning and, and maybe God is just stirring your heart to, that you need to give your life to Jesus, that, that, that the beginning of the year is, is this new marker that, that God is, is calling you to, to lay to death the person that you were in order to, to come to life with who he wants you to be. And if you wanna give your life to Jesus, you can do that today. Go to the respond banner. For the rest of us, as we take communion, I will invite you to get a piece of bread and to get a cup of juice and you can come back to your seats. You can scatter all over the room. And I just, I want to invite us into just a time of of praying together. And to ask God, God, would you help us not to worry? And would you help us to, to want you more than anything else? And the reality is that we can try, we can try, we can try to shift things. But what we really need is for God to move, for God to give us a fresh encounter with his love so that it moves us into this place of actually wanting to seek him first. So as we're taking communion, I invite you just to pray. Some of you, the Lord is gonna speak. He's gonna give you things to pray into as you're praying. And I just encourage you to, to pray for each other, pray with each other. If you wanna talk during communion, you can answer this question, you know, what is God calling you to do with this today? And some of you, this will be clear. For some of you, you're gonna need a little bit more time to chew on it. But, but as we take communion, man, let's pray Let's allow the God, let's allow God to speak and to move us. And so I'll pray for us and send us to communion. So Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you so much for, um, yeah, these men and women and children. God, I pray that in communion, you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts. That you would help us to be the type of people. You help us to be people that love you with everything that we have. And so pour out your spirit on us, God. Not because we are deserving, but because we are so desperate, because we need you. We love you, God. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for your realness, Jesus. Thank you for that you will return. Help us to live for you and your glory all the days of our life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.